Welcome to Less Than or Equal, the podcast about pursuing equality and geekdom by celebrating the diverse and their accomplishments. I'm your host, Aline Sims, and today I'm thrilled to be joined by Jean McDonald. Jean, welcome. Hi, Aline. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. You've actually been, you were one of the first people I thought of when I started this podcast, so <laughs> um, of having on. So I finally get to talk to you. I'm really excited. Uh, who are you, Jean? Um, well, I'm mostly known, I think, for being the founder of App Camp for Girls, which is a summer program that is designed to get more girls and women into the software field and, um, you know, making apps and um, getting excited about, you know, geeky things in general. So we've been, this is going to be our third summer, 2015. And uh, before that, I was uh, the marketing and PR manager at Smile, uh, which makes text expander and PDF pen. And um, I, I was there for about almost 10 years and it was, uh, that's how I got interested in the whole indie software development community. And that's kind of where app camp comes from is from, uh, hanging out with that, um, particular community and learning how supportive they would be of having more women around. (laughs) So how do you even get started with putting something like app camp for girls together? It's, uh, I mean, it's, it's something, you know, in my, I think everybody's when they start something, you know, from scratch, I'm sure has a slightly different, you know, experience and path to making it into a reality. But for me, um, I just started talking to people about it. Um, I, it, it was an idea that grabbed me, um, just really out of the blue. It was not like some lifelong um, uh, dream to become a camp director. <laughs> and so uh, the uh, at one of the WWDCs, it just it kind of clicked for me that it wouldn't take much to double the number of women who are here. <laughs> In fact, you need like four. Yes. <laughs> it wouldn't take much to, to, you know, to triple or quadruple it. And uh, so that, you know, it was like feeling like, oh, you know, it sounds like a big deal, but we could we could make some some tech, uh, you know, non-trivial progress on this problem just by getting a few more girls into the pipeline, I think. And so um, I think having an idea that really makes you go, oh, yeah, <laughs> that's something somebody should do that, you know, <laughs> and yeah. you wish somebody would do it. And, and you keep thinking about it and, and saying, like, I would totally help out on that if that somebody would do that. Right. Um, so then um, I, I did have, um, luckily, you know, I had this experience as a volunteer at another camp for girls with a similar mission called Rock and Roll Camp for Girls, which um, girls come in and they learn how to play an instrument and they form a band and they write a song and they rock out like all week and practice and rehearse and then do a show at the end of the week at a big, you know, venue and wherever in Portland uh, is one of the locations. There's there, I think there's 40 rock and roll camp for girls around the world now. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. It's uh, and it started here in Portland. So I knew um, that, you know, from small, uh, ideas, big things can happen. And, um, but I think that the real first step comes when you just say, okay, I'm doing this. It's going to be at this date, at this location. I'm not sure exactly what it's going to look like, but there'll be girls and there'll be Max and we'll learn some things together. And once you say, I'm doing this and you really just commit, then the whole like momentum and dynamic changes. And, and so I would say that, you know, really is the first thing it's not raising money or, or, you know, finding volunteers, although you do have to find volunteers, you have to do all these other things. But if, if you're only thinking about it and saying, wouldn't this be a good idea? um, And saying that to other people, wouldn't it be great if there was something like this, people would say, yeah, that would be great. And um, until you say like, I'm doing this thing um, and, you know, make it a doable goal. Like that was my, um, 
what I focused on was it's going to be one week. It's going to be, um, I, at the time I thought like 20 girls and, um, and it's going to, you know, we'll figure out a way for them to build apps and get them on iPhones and that will be app camp for girls. And maybe we'll never do another session of it, but that'll be it. So, um, once I told people, oh yes, I'm, I'm starting this program and it's called app camp for girls. Then people say, they don't go like, Oh, great idea. I mean, some people do obviously, but a lot of people say, Oh, that's awesome. I can do X, Y, or Z, or I know so-and-so who would love to work on that with you, or my company would love to sponsor something like that. And then, you know, so you have to, and, and not to be, you know, sneaky about it, but you have to say you're doing it, even though there's always a possibility you won't do it. Right. Mm -hmm. You never know, but that's the way it is with everything. (laughs) When you think about it, you can't really predict the future, but if you don't have a vision that something's going to happen in the future, then nothing happens. Yeah. uh, I struggle with that. Yeah, I was going to say, (laughs) I mean, you must've had a similar experience starting this podcast because when I first heard about the podcast, I thought, oh, I'm so glad somebody is finally doing that. Uh, And and, uh, I don't know, you know, the exact history of it, but you probably had a moment where you're like, I'm doing this podcast and we'll do episode one and then we'll see what happens. (laughs) Yeah. And it was very much um, an experimental process. And if you go back to my first episodes, I had trouble getting guests on weekly. So like, I was committed to doing a weekly show, and I wouldn't have a guest. So I did, I I played around with like, I had an episode where I um, found I think it was 10 or 12 um, tech pioneers Mm -hmm. who were people of color. And I did like a six minute episode where I just talked about those. And I did like one half hour follow up episode. And I did, um, I think I did something else in there. And then I was like, Oh, forget it. I'm just going to go biweekly. And I was biweekly for like two months. And then I had enough guests saying, yes, I'll come on that I was able to go back to a weekly thing. But it's, it's that, um, I actually wrote a blog post about this the other day about iterating in public and, you know, saying, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And this is how I'm going to do it. And then like refining that over time. Right. So I imagine that's what your process has been like, too. Yeah, it's exactly like that, actually. (laughs) um, Like I said, (laughs) I thought, you know, we would do 20 girls. Um, I had the space booked. But once I actually got some girls in for a one day workshop, just to play around with some of the ideas, just had we did what we now call alpha camp. It was going to be called beta camp, but we didn't get enough girls to really do a whole week. and. and in fact, it turned out great. Like these three girls have been awesome. They're still pretty much involved with App Camp, and they doing that day with them. Um, and and that was myself and Kelly Gamont um, and uh, Nat Osten, who uh, who were you know like the three of us were were really focused on getting App Camp launched. And um, at the end of that day, the girls were so excited they made the most basic app and they were so excited about it that we realized like we don't need to have them build something you know really awesomely you know complicated they just want to build something that's theirs and then they'll be excited about it and so but as we did that day which was at this one location in Portland that I had already booked I thought we can't really fit 20 girls into this room with the number of volunteers that we'll need as well and so I just like immediately said, you know what, we're going to cut this back to 12 girls um, for each session. For And it was based on the space and also on the availability of volunteers, um, which was the other thing I learned. Um, you know, initially I thought all the volunteers, like the full-time volunteers would be developers themselves and could really work with the girls, like iterating software ideas and, you know, just like making things work, just, you know. Um, but there's not that many women in this field, which is the whole point. (laughs) And so I, you know, I really, um, I had, was lucky to have Nat Osten that I met her at WWDC, um, in 2012. And she came up with a, um, you know, a framework that we could use so the girls could build apps that were interesting, but, um, we, you know, we wouldn't be re, re, you know, reinventing the wheel 
with each group of girls, we would start from a certain base of code and um, structure. So, you know, so so that changed the camp in a way that I hadn't. Um, I thought I was making a compromise, and that in the meantime, I realized that it's actually working out better to have volunteers who are not necessarily developers, but willing to learn what we're teaching the girls and help them learn it instead of, you know, because we're not teaching them a very high level of programming. We're teaching them, you know, how, the whole process of, of coming up with app ideas and designing their icons and, you know, just a lot of the creative aspects of app development, not just, you know, Objective-C or something like that. So. So what's happened is we've got a lot of women volunteers now who are themselves now learning more about app development. And some of them have actually gone into um, iOS development, you know, professionally because they got themselves inspired at App Camp. That's amazing. Yeah. So but I couldn't have predicted that. I had no no idea that that was going to be a um, side benefit of, of working with girls. and. If I had tried to stick to my original plan, I would have thrown in the towel because it would have been impossible. And uh, yeah, um, I, I've pretty much every everything that we do, I say, okay, here we go. We think it's going to work, but we will see. <laughs> well, it seems to be working so far. Yeah, it, it, it's it's pretty exciting actually, um, because there is so much um, interest and support in what we're doing and, uh, the, um, that just encourages us and, you know, supports us, um, to keep, keep moving forward and trying new things and figuring out, um, how to, to resolve some of the challenges, um, that we still face with the program and what, you know, we would like to do better or more efficiently or on a larger scale. So what are some of the challenges that you faced? The finding volunteers was was the first one, um, for sure. And that's because we're asking people for most of the volunteers are full time for one week uh, commitment. And um, even if we even if we could find the qualified volunteers, finding women who are able to take that amount of time is also tricky. Um, We do try to work with if people have a job, maybe their employer will. uh, um, help support them to take that time um, to work at App Camp for a week. Or we, after the first summer, we started giving um, small stipends to the volunteers, the full-time volunteers, so that we could help, you know, defray some of the costs of spending a week working with the girls. And um, and we are only, our whole team is women. Um, we have um and that was definitely one of the things that came up early on which was maybe we should have men in because there are way more men who who are qualified to teach this um subject matter but you know after we did the first camps with just all women and girls which is what rock and roll camp is like that which is um i i was was pretty committed to having an all female environment um, we just knew that the girls had a, a kind of week that would be totally different if we, um, if we brought men into the, the mix and sort of took away the, the aspect of app camp, which is also very important, which is just seeing that women can do this stuff and, um, that they can inspire to do it. It's not just for boys. Um, it's, and, uh, so that was um that's still a challenge to to find the volunteers um and um but we're you know we're working on it and I think you know that's one of the things about summer camp is that I hadn't really like put it together until just the second is that most summer camps are staffed by teenagers mm-hmm. <laughs> and they are you know or or college students people who have the summer off and that's, you know, rock and roll camp is like that too. The, the uh, volunteers are mostly younger um, women, but I just realized like, yeah, I'm having a camp 
except where the counselors are all, you know, in their late twenties, early thirties with, with bills to pay and children to, to take care of and, you know, families to worry about. So, um, yeah, that is, that is, uh, that does make it challenging. Um, we'll probably focus more as we're going forward on trying to find college students, uh, um, maybe computer science students who want to come, um, for a week and, you know, for whom a small stipend would actually be, you know, similar to the kind of financial support they already get. Um, the other challenge is figuring out how to grow. And we have, um, we started a camp in Seattle last summer, um, with some women who, uh, who had volunteered for the Portland camp, uh, this summer before. So we had, um, Liz Marley and Christina Sontag from Omni, the Omni group, um, came down and worked with us here in Portland and then um, went on to be the organizers of the Seattle camp. And we had to, we just had to learn how to empower them to run a camp in another location. Um, It it really taught me a lot about how much stuff I actually don't write down, (laughs) (laughs) how much stuff I keep in my head and, and expect other people to, to you know just know. somehow no <laughs> so that was probably the biggest theme of the some of the Seattle camp just you know in the back in the back end was like oh yeah we forgot to tell you about that or oh we forgot to tell you to do this and and we were there I mean that's part of what we've done is we 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 um set it up and we budget for our Portland team like at least two of us and maybe three of us to go to that new camp the first time they run it so that, um, we're there if they need us. Um, and so we were there in Seattle, but we were, we were very often, you know, trying to like fill in stuff that we had forgotten to, to fill in, to start off with. So, um, but that was a good experience that, you know, we really needed to have that experience. And, um, the camp was great. I think the girls were very happy and we're doing it again this summer. Um, I met some wonderful women, uh, volunteers at that, um, camp as well. And this summer, this year, so just last month, well, February, we, uh, we ran a weekend long orientation for camp organizers so that we would sit down for two days and go over some of the stuff that we never, you know, got together for, for the Seattle group last summer and we made a handbook. So we have like a 50 page handbook of all our procedures because running a program for kids has a lot of rules. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, you know, and rightfully so. So, um, and, and most of the people who we know and we're working with are not right now like teachers or, um, you know, nannies or whatever people who work with, with kids and know, uh, like, I mean, we're getting first aid training for all our organizers this year. Um, it's just an example of something that we had, to, and we and not that we had any accidents last year, but we knew. It's nice that, to know. Yeah, we yeah. we we started looking into um, what other camps were doing, and um, and what you know the professional guidelines you know for camp organizations are, and it uh, turns out that we are, you know, if we follow those guidelines, we need two um, first aid trained volunteers for each session. So, so I took first aid training, which was great. (laughs) I'm excited about that. Actually, wherever I go now, I say, who has first aid training here? And then I raise my hand. (laughs) (laughs) I'm prepared. I I feel so prepared. (laughs) But yeah, so stuff like that, it's iterating. You know, we didn't get it exactly right from day one, and nothing ever is exactly right from day one. And you would think software developers would know that. <laughs> <laughs> Fix a bug, create three more. <laughs> yeah. um, so I'm really interested in seeing this come to Phoenix, which is where I live, mm-hmm. um, because I'm selfish and <laughs> it's easier for me to travel and volunteer at something local than it is for me to go to Portland um, or, you know, anywhere in the Pacific Northwest. Um, so let's just say hypothetically, if I wanted to help you start a Phoenix um, app camp for girls, 
Mm-hmm. How would we get started with that? Um, well, if you were, uh, you learned about App Camp and said, hey, it would be great to have that here, you would email us. Um, uh, there's email addresses on our website. And, uh, and it's just another thing that we learned in the last year, which is when people email us, we need to explain exactly what they would have to do <laughs> if they wanted to start. So we actually have a little um, FAQ for potential organizers. Um, and I would send that to you and you would look at it and you might say, oh, so here's the steps to having an app camp. You know, maybe um, I would like to organize it. Um, ideally, you know, you're more than one organizer. That's what we're you know, learning is that it really helps to have like two people to help each other and support each other. So you have, you know, your friend who is also really interested in it. And you say, here's what we would have to do. Um, but uh, what we what we would do um, is say, I would say to you, well, what do you think about coming to Portland for a week just to see how it's run? Because that's how all the other camps have been started is by women who've come from that location. Um, so same thing, say in Vancouver, uh, we had a volunteer from Vancouver, British Columbia last summer, and now she's starting the first app camp um, in Canada. And uh, we'd say like, you know, there's a spot open um, for a volunteer in, let's say, August. Would you like to come? We would, you know, find you a place to stay and get your plane ticket and you would get to see what we do. Um, And you would, you would know it from the inside. So that would be one. That's not, a requirement, but it seems like if you can do it, that's a great first step. Um, Absolutely. We know as we grow that that's not necessarily going to work for each new location because, you know, we're starting to really branch out now, but, but that would be one thing. If, um, uh, what you would, what the FAQs tell you about organizing camp is that you need to find a location and you need to um, uh, set a date in, you know, consultation with us, uh, because we, um, we will tell you the things, you, you know, that the local camp is responsible for, which is basically recruiting volunteers, recruiting campers, recruit, uh, finding a location, um, and, you know, all the things that go along with that. What App Camp HQ will do is um set you up with um with the equipment so we have um a set of equipment we can ship if it was to phoenix we we drive it up to to seattle or we're going to drive it up to vancouver um and we would um do things like probably print the campers t-shirts and uh we you know the and we would we would pay for everything that you need paid for um because that's what we raise money for is uh, paying for um, the camp, the volunteers stipends, for example. And um, I mean, we would hope that you would help us raise money by finding local sponsors and finding local companies that might supply, you know, lunches for the volunteer like that. But, um, but you wouldn't have to worry about buying computers or, um, you know, there's a few things that that you end up paying for locally, we would cover those costs or paying for the space itself. Um, anyway, so that's what, um, that's how it would start off. And if you said like, Oh, we would, we, we want to do that. Then I I would probably come to Phoenix (laughs) so we could talk about it in person. (laughs) Yeah. In person. And I might come in the summer, although this, yeah, I suppose my summer is basically. Your summer is gone, Jean. (laughs) I know. I don't know. I don't, wasn't really planning that. I always wanted a, <laughs> a, a job where I had summers off and I've got the opposite now. So. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I would come uh, most likely, or we would meet up at a conference and, uh, you know, talk it over, you know, make sure we, um, you know, I don't know, there, see, see if we're on the same page and if make sure I understand what you want to do and, you know, where, what your needs are and you understand what, what we expect and how it would work. So, 
Um, that's, that's basically it. But so far we have only started camps with people who have, um, volunteered for, uh, camp at our camps and we will continue to do that. We already have one person lined up to come from another city to come to Portland and, um, and hopefully she will start a camp in her hometown in 2016. I think that's an excellent way to approach it because then you have like that first hand knowledge. You're not, it's not just like a theoretical, well, I wonder how it would go. Like, <laughs> you know yeah. what happens. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, you know, like I said, we're just, we're just figuring things out as we go along ultimately. And, and, and that, and that's what I realize is pretty much true for everything. But um, I do have people interested in camps in many locations. Um, but the key is having that first person who says, okay, I want to do it. What do I have to do? You know, uh, and there's a lot of people who would like to volunteer for a camp, but aren't able for whatever reason to actually take on that responsibility of organizing. And it is, you know, it is some amount of work. I'm, you know, it's going to take a few hours a month of, you know, prep time going into the summer. And then of course the summer, the week that you do it, um, you'll be full time, um, working on it and it's, it's exciting and it's fun, but it's very tiring. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I know a few female developers in Phoenix. Um, I actually, because I work remotely, mm -hmm. I know people not in Phoenix, but right. I don't know many people locally, but um, I actually am very interested in, um, in seeing if that's something that we can, I can help get started in the area because I just feel like there's kind of a dearth of that kind of thing in the yeah. Valley. Um, you know, we need, need more things like this. If they exist, I haven't heard of them. So. Yeah. Well, um, I, I mean, and again, if somebody like, if it was somebody from Phoenix getting in touch with me, I can go into my you know, contact stuff and say, oh, here's so-and-so from Phoenix who also is very interested, you know, maybe you should get together and talk oh, that's about, nice. you know, and uh, we, we keep a database of volunteers, you know, people interested in volunteering, even if they're not in one of the camps locations, just so that for that reason as well, we can look and say, you know, we've had like 10 people say they're interested in volunteering from, from Phoenix. and so if we had zero interest from Phoenix in every other way, I would be, I, I, it's not that I would be skeptical about starting camp, but I would say, well, you're, you're going to have to start lining up some potential volunteers like right now, just to find out whether you have enough of a critical mass of potential volunteers, because we don't have those names to give you. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't have my database open right now, so I can't oh, tell you, but, but uh, off the top of my head. But I know that there have been people from Phoenix who I've been in touch with in the past. So um, so it's, you know, that's that's what we would would look at is um, who else is interested or, you know, maybe we would tweet out like, hey, who do you know in Phoenix? Like I would do that, too, um, as, as well. To, to sort of find the people who, you know, we don't know personally, <laughs> but somebody else knows and they'll pass the tweet along or Facebook is actually another great way we find people and campers. One thing that I've really liked, um, so I've been, I followed you on, I have followed you on Twitter for, I don't know, probably about a year now. Really? Um, if not longer, <laughs> I have. Yeah. Um, and so I, I watched last year as you were kind of ramping up for, for the summertime camps. And um, one of the things I really loved um, was seeing um, Christina Morgan, mm -hmm. who is an awesome designer, up there teaching, you know, with her baby. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, volunteering <laughs> with her baby there. And the reason I love that so much is because I think that that's a challenge that women face um, in, I mean, every industry, but the tech industry too is like, yeah. I want to have kids and I want to work and how do I balance that? And I really, really loved that she was able to come and impart her amazing knowledge on these kids. And she was able to do that with her, 
with her child, you know, in yeah. you know, a lot of situations that wouldn't be feasible. Yeah. I mean, it was, that just happened. Obviously we didn't plan for Krista to have a baby, but <laughs> it was, we were actually, first of all, she's such an awesome, awesome volunteer. And I can't imagine doing camp without her. Um, but, you know, when she said she was having a baby, right, like in that time frame, I, she said, but I can come, you know, part of this day and Nevin, you know, her husband can watch him this. I'm like, I thought she's not going to come. I mean, I, she's, the baby will only be a few weeks old at that point. Uh, but she did. I told her, I said, you totally, uh, you know, we totally hold that spot for you. Um, but I was like, do you want to? you know, is there anybody we should like maybe be talking to as a backup or anything? But she was like, no, I can do it. And I'm like, great. And she did. And, and that, that was awesome. I mean, we, yeah, we totally, everybody got a kick out of having a baby there. Um, and I don't know that, yeah, the, the girls have ever seen anything like that before, you know, uh, I'm sure that teachers don't bring in their, their little infants, uh, to school. Mm -hmm. Um, but and then everybody got to hold not everybody got to hold the baby but like in the volunteer staff room w when he would wake up um some of us you know said oh yeah we'll hold the baby you know we can all hold babies and uh in fact we also had babies in uh the uh Seattle campus well <laughs> i wish we had more pictures of that but we had two babies um one of the uh the workshop leaders um and also one of the photographers had like, you know, you know, only a few month old infants. And I held one of the babies for like half of the final uh, pitch session, uh, you know, the kind of the presentation session we do at the end. Everybody likes babies. And they, oh, I, <laughs> I adore babies. But yes, I adore babies. I, the babies are awesome. So, uh, yeah, that was um that was obviously not a, a plan, but it was a, a, a nice um, intro, I think, you know, for girls to, to picture themselves with babies and teaching technology classes. Yeah, because I think that so often, like, I've felt the pressure to choose my career or children. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, like, I haven't had children. So it's not necessarily because I prioritize my career. It's just how it's happened. But you know, I, I think that that's a wonderful thing for, for people to say is that, you know, you can, you can do both. And, um, I think more and more employers are getting on board with that too. Like, yeah, you can have families and, and we can be flexible and understand that, you know, you have kids and kids are a great responsibility. Yes, no, it's true. What is the age of the girls who attend app camp for girls? Um, we're currently, we are um, only taking girls who will be eighth or ninth graders in the fall. So they're middle school age girls who are either, you know, right now, seventh or eighth graders, um, in the spring. And, um, so they tend to be about 13, 14 years old. Uh, there's been some outliers and, um, the, we really wanted to have a program that reached the girls before um, they went to high school, because I think it's pretty well known how much girls' interest and confidence in math and science drops off, you know, as they reach puberty and, you know, especially into high school. So, um, so that's what, since we we have a it's a small program right now we want to focus on what we thought was the most critical you know group that we could do the most um benefit for and what are the the requirements besides being in um going into eighth or ninth grades what what else is a requirement for um we only accept girls who are local to the camp location so we we aren't encouraging people to fly their kids in, you know, which is heartbreaking because I know there's like girls who would like to come from many places, but because again, the camp is small, we feel it's important that we support the local community, um, that has helped us, you know, do the camp. And, um, so that's it. Other than that, there's no, um, 
requirement. There's no requirement for any previous technology classes or programming languages or anything like that. Now, we do get, you know, about, it's worked out about half the girls have done something, you know, that might be building web pages or Lego um, Robotics League or, um, you know, have learned some coding in, in all of the, you know, hour of code type programs that are out there. But, um, but we, we don't insist on that because we're, we're really trying to show girls that maybe haven't thought about being interested in a technology career, that it's something for them. Uh, do you know what the background of the parents of the kids is like? Is it varied or are they generally kind of techie people? Um, I mean, there's definitely, you know, techie-oriented people, engineers and, and uh, project managers. But I think it's, you know, I mean, it's not a super diverse uh, audience right now because, again, the camp is small. And um, we, um, I think we could do a lot more to reach out to girls whose families wouldn't think about even, you know, wouldn't have know about something like app camp or know why it would be a good thing to do. So, um, you know, that's definitely on our, on our list of how to make the camp better is to get, you know, more of a recruitment program going that reaches girls that wouldn't normally find out about the camp. Um, because most people do find out about the camp, I think on Facebook and Twitter. Um, and that's, even though that seems like that's not everybody. <laughs> no. Um, why did you decide to start app camp for girls as opposed to supporting another organization that already existed? Um, well, there wasn't an organization that I was really that, um, I, you know, interested in. And I mean, the fact is like, since I started app camp right around the, that time, a lot of new organizations were starting, um, that, that, um, are focused on girls and technology in some way. But I think one of the main reasons is that nobody was doing iPhone or iOS development um, that, um, you know, because it's perceived as being hard and expensive, which it is. <laughs> it's really, uh, and since that's what I'm, you know, I was working in this field and, you know, all of my friends, and you know, professionally are developers, Apple third-party developers, you know, mm -hmm. mostly, or the media that cover Apple third-party developers. Um, I was interested in something that, you know, for me personally would be meaningful, which is like teaching people how to build iPhone apps. And um, so that's why, you know, there was no app camp like what I'm doing. And, and as far as I know, there's not really much, you know, that is focused on Apple um, products because as I said, it's perceived as being the barriers are high. The equipment, you have to have Macs. That's one thing. And you have to have iPhones <laughs> or devices of some sort, which um, we have iPod touches, uh, which we buy. Um, we, we get a set of iPod touches for the um, camp so that each girl has an iPod touch to use for the week. Um, and they get to take that iPod touch home with them every night so they can show off their work to their families and friends. Um, we collect them at the end of the week, but I think it's important for everybody to have a device um, to get, get to get to know the platform and not all kids have iPhones, even though they all want them. <laughs> so, um, but um, the uh, so right there, if you have, we have six MacBook Pro, 15-inch MacBook Pros, 12 iPod Touches. We've already spent, like, that's $15,000 of equipment. <laughs> so uh, then we got, um, we have um, Fujitsu Scan Snaps, the, the portable Scan Snaps, which are awesome, and the girls love those. And that's how they, they scan in all their artwork that's going to be in their apps. And our apps are very artisanal 
in their, you know, uh, their, their, their design, uh, ethos is, is quite handmade, which is actually kind of fun. And then there's, um, so, okay. So I, you know, I can come up with $20,000 worth of equipment pretty quickly. We need a, um, a printer. Um, and, uh, the, um, so, so your average camp, you know, summer camp program also doesn't need $20,000 of equipment. <laughs> they need right. some sports equipment, you know, and maybe some arts and crafts and supplies, whatever. So um, then there's the whole, you know, learning Xcode. And because we use Xcode in the, in the camp, we don't do anything that's like dumbed down for the girls, really. Um, they, they learn about, you know, how to how to manipulate stuff in Xcode. They don't really learn how to program. Um, They learn about how, you know, their program is built and how to make changes in it and how to build, you know, a sequence of steps and such, but they don't learn. I mean, it's not even possible to learn like everything about Objective-C or now Swift in a week. We don't. Or a lifetime even. Yes. but if you talk to other computer science education people, uh, which I've talked to a lot of them, they say, well, why don't you use Android? You know, because you can get, you can use, um, you don't need to use uh, Macs. You don't need to use iPhones. Um, there's, uh, there's software for building Android apps, you know, that makes things really easy, supposedly. Um, and or that Windows Phone is another one, you know, and they say, oh, but we, you know, I'm an Apple, you know, person, and everybody I know is an Apple person. I could not have gotten everybody excited to do an Android camp or whatever, <laughs> so even if I wanted to get excited about myself, which I couldn't. So so that's really the, the very long answer to your short question of why I didn't just not start a camp and to do some volunteering for somebody else's camp. I, th- I think it's excellent though. And I really like the idea that I like that it's kind of a holistic program, right? They come in, they conceive of an app, they storyboard, I'm assuming they create an icon, they draw all of their user interface. They, you know, I think that think that it's amazing that they get this whole, you know, experience in just a week yeah um that that gives them a real taste for what development is like because i think you know we get this you know this movie image of what a programmer does and they're just kind of sitting at a keyboard pounding on keys you know right saying bad words which you know a, <laughs> a large part of it i understand but you know that's not all there is to it yeah um especially if you're an indie developer working on a small team or if it's just you, you know, there are some bigger developers, but not many. Yeah. So what kind of apps come out of, out of the week? Um, well, as I mentioned, uh, Nat developed a, uh, basically an Xcode template that we have been using, um, refining, but still using the basics, uh, which is a, personality quiz app and so that we give them basically a blank app that has um is built with um you know they come up with five questions each question has four answers there's four possible results um and the girls work in teams of four so this works out really well um and they decide how the quiz first of all they decide what the quiz is going to be about um and they decide how the quiz will be graded and what the results will mean. And um, so that all that stuff requires them to go into the code. You know, they have to plug in um, results into the, the um, implementation files that, you know, govern how results are displayed, for example. Or they um, have to choose, you know, which kind of grader, um, whether it's a cl- uh, quiz is cumulative grade or it's a categorical grade so you know if you score a certain number of points that shows like what kind of Justin Bieber fan you are which none of them do Justin Bieber I just want to be clear clear about that we used him as an example so that nobody 
says like, oh, I totally want to do a Justin Bieber quiz. <laughs> we try to use the dorkiest examples we can think of so that they don't think that, you know, they can come give them space to come up with their own stuff, Anything they want, right? which has been really fun. I mean, the and weirdly, weirdly, uh, you know, accurate, the personality quizzes. So one of the, <laughs> one of the personality quizzes is called what, what coffee shop drink are you? And uh, I am a dark espresso. Um, and, uh, you know, it's like, you're bitter, but you're focused, but <laughs> not bitter, not bitter isn't in there, but something like that. But I was like, well, I, it is what I drink, like, you know, and, and, uh, the, um, the, uh, there's so many fun ones. Like one is like, what, what time period are you from? Like, so, you know, depending on the things you like, like what era should you be, should you have been born in, you know, and I, I should have been born in the twenties, you know, because I, you know, I like the Charleston and I like, you know, <laughs> these kind of dresses and et cetera. So they really, um, they've, they've been a lot of fun. And as we go forward, we'll certainly um, start to branch out with the templates um, because I think we can, you know, uh, come up with some more ideas, but this one has been so sturdy and good. And it seems to, you know, make, get the girls excited about, you know, because that's interactive too. So that, they bring those quizzes home and then they want everybody to take them, you know? Um, and, uh, that has been, it's just been a blast. <laughs> one of the funniest one was the girls who did one called like, what kind of penguin are you? And you were either like a sporty penguin or a, <laughs> uh, a diva penguin or one, and one of them, one was nerdy penguin. And so like 90% of the people I, give that quiz to our nerdy penguins but uh <laughs> but the local uh television station here in portland came to the camp on you know to do a little segment on us and the reporter she was just so cute and nice and she took the penguin quiz and she was like oh look at that i'm a diva penguin <laughs> and it's like of course you are because you're a tv station you know reporter so uh anyway things like that it's been really really um fun and uh interesting to see where their their ideas go so how did you because your background was in um more like the pr marketing side of things when you worked at smile yes um so how did you learn um or did you know objective c before (laughs) you started doing this no i did not know objective c i did um before I guess so it was like around June 2012 is when I first started talking about okay let's do app camp next year then a couple months later I went to the big nerd ranch um beginning iOS boot camp um which is a seven-day program in Objective-C and iOS you know um development and uh that was awesome and I uh even before I went to the camp, I went through the entire Objective C um, guide. They t- they tell you to do that, and I was I, I basically, you know, spent all my nights doing Objective C for two months, <laughs> so I could feel like, well, because I, I knew I would be the least qualified person at Big Nerd Ranch. <laughs> but actually, I you know, I I would encourage anybody who's who's interested in just like biting the bullet and you know, and it's expensive, but, you know, the kind of training that you're getting there, if, you know, if that helps you to become an iOS developer, that's, that's a very valuable skill that you're learning. And um, I had no, I mean, I knew some stuff about programming. I had been a web designer before um, I started working at Smile. So I knew JavaScript and I knew, um, you know, I took computer programming and class in in college uh back in the very olden days when we had punch cards so that I was not been very applicable to what I'm doing now a little different now yeah yeah. I would like to try to do app camp with punch cards that would be interesting um I think it'd be fun (laughs) I know my mind immediately went to like crayons we could like color them (laughs) (laughs) um but the uh uh, so it wasn't that I I knew I had like, you know, roughly the aptitude for it, but not the experience. And so 
Um, but going to that class, it was awesome. I enjoyed it so much. Um, I mean, it was hard, um, but they, they have great teachers and they had, it was a really great, um, experience. And, uh, and that gave me, and the fact that I could build apps myself then, like nothing fancy, but I knew that worst case scenario, if I could get nobody else to do app camp with me, I could teach a few girls how to make some of these apps I learned how to make at Big Nerd Ranch. So, so that was, you know, that was important for me. Um, And that's, I still don't do much of the programming. I mean, I, Nat is, is our, our, you know, our anchor in, in the, the, on the development side. And she is amazing. Um, She, I, I look over her shoulder, you know, uh, what she is doing. Um, I, I need to be able to do what the girls are doing. And Mm -hmm. so um, that's kind of the checks and balances of uh, the system that Nat and I have, which is if I can't understand it, then um, we have to rethink it, you know, for the girls. And, uh, and so that, you know, that's about what I, where I want it to be, which is like, um, know enough to know what, you know, what you don't know, what I don't know. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'd love to go back <laughs> to Big Nerd Ranch. That um, I don't really have a good reason to go now. I, I don't think it would um, – I, I don't aspire to be the programmer of the camp right now. But um, but I could see, like, I have this, like, vision of retirement of me being a little old lady who makes apps, you know, who's like a – I love it. A, a contract programmer, you know, is like do a few hours of programming every day to, like, to to – keep up my garden and feed my guinea pigs and you know whatever <laughs> I love it no I, I, do it Jean do it I uh, encourage yeah. you yeah well I mean that's part of why I think it's important for women to get into this field is that it's it it has a lot of uh, potential as a good way to support yourself and your family um, and maybe be f- more flexible than your average um, kind of job yeah, definitely. Um, you know, and I, I love what you're doing with, with app camp for girls, obviously. Um, I just, um, you know, part of what I'm trying to do with the show is help fix things now, um, mm-hmm. in part so that it's better for, you know, the people who are in it now. Um, but if we start fixing it now, then it's going to be even better for these kids who you're teaching now, yes. you know, um, so I'm really excited that, you know, if we can, there are two problems, you know, there's the pipeline problem and then there's the staying in the industry problem. Yes, <laughs> and so exactly. it's like, I'm trying to address both at once, but I'm so, so excited by programs like App Camp for Girls, because I think, um, and you probably agree based on what you've said, that a lot of the issue is girls are told that they can't code or that they're not good at math or that they're, you know, incapable, like by <laughs> by yeah. um extension of their biology they are unable to do these things and it's just absolutely ridiculous and so i'm glad that programs like this exist to like actually get them in there and be like oh see you can do this like you did yes. it yes you can't i think that's it is it, it, that's why we do focus on getting an app completed in one week that's something they can be excited about because if they i mean hello world is all very well and good but um it's uh, showing off, you know, your, your personality quiz, your, your, uh, you know, what, what kind of, uh, the, you know, what, what kind, what career should you have, you know, or what your superpower should be. That's, that, that's where they get excited. Um, but I, and I totally agree, you know, I, I know obviously a lot of people who are on the uh, focus on the other end of the pipeline and, very, you know, there's so much work to be done on making workplaces uh, welcoming for women and, and making it so that women don't feel like they'd rather just quit, um, that it's too frustrating for, for all the various reasons, um, subtle and horrible. But I also believe that if we get enough girls into that pipeline and they, you know, at some part of the problem is there's so few women there, right? the more women that are there that also helps um shift the awareness and shift the um 
the values such that, you know, it will just become a better situation, you know, for being more diverse. And I think we know that is true from so many other fields that um, we just have to, I shouldn't say we, it's not that we should just get girls into the program and so that they get into the field, but if we get uh, more women into the field at some point, you know, it's got to, it's got to change. It's not going to be the same when there's 30 or 40 or 50% women in the, you know, in the workforce of software development. And you, well, hit that critical mass and it'll start to self-correct. Yeah, I think so. But, it, you know, it's it's pretty bad right now. And I, I don't blame anybody for feeling pessimistic. <laughs> yeah, I know a lot of people who do. But, you know, I just, what choice do we have but to continue and to try? Yeah. You know? I, and I don't blame the people who leave. But No, I don't either. No, I don't either. So, Jean, we're at about an hour now. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Well, I think we really covered it. I, uh, I'm excited about what I'm doing and what everybody else is doing in this area. It's, it's just great to see this awareness is really building, and that's that's one of the first steps to making changes. So, I know that's been true for me personally. That I, through you know, in many points in my life where I didn't realize something was messed up or harmful or, or is, you know, until somebody points it out to me and then I go, Oh, right. You know that, and I can stop doing that. And I can also tell other people to stop doing that and whatever it is. And I think that's awareness is key. Um, absolutely. I, I would say that I think there's maybe there's a, um, part of the shift, uh, that's happening now is that, you know, the, the generation of men, you know, who are in their like 30s, 40s, 50s, that um, grew up as children during like the, you know, that started to have like liberated mothers and such, and, you know, started to learn a little bit more about being, um, you know, open-minded about w- what women can do and be, that, that the fact that those men have daughters now is helping this awareness you know i get that from a lot of people who are app camp supporters is i want my daughter to have these op- opportunities um and i think that's a generational thing and that that'll only continue to be you know the case that will only grow you know that the boys growing up today will hopefully be even more supportive of their daughters um so so you know I think we can be hopeful. <laughs> I think I think men are, are are getting there, so good for them. I think so too. I think that you know, there's some debate about so-called daddy feminism and how beneficial it is. But um, I think I think a lot of people don't, a lot of men don't realize what the world is like for women until they start seeing it through their children's eyes, their, through their daughter's eyes. Yes, and. Um, you know, as, as a stepping stone, I think that that's, that's great. And, um, it's great when, when they see the issues and they're like, okay, so this is a problem for my daughter. It's a problem for other girls too. So how can we make this better? And I think it's happening. Yeah. Well, that's, and I think that's what we, we have to support and be appreciative of, of the things that are changing for the better. Um, so, Jean, how can people find you and App Camp for Girls online? Um, we are at appcampforgirls.com. That's uh, the number four. So, appcampnumber4girls.com. And we are also at App Camp for Girls on Twitter and Facebook, App Camp for Girls. Um, I am MacGenie on Twitter. That's M A C. G E N I E. And that's a good place actually, you know, to connect because I'm on Twitter a lot and I do read my mentions and, and, um, or just get in touch with us through email. There's email on the website and, um, happy to hear from anybody who wants to volunteer or has any ideas or wants to support app camp. That'd be awesome. 
And you can find the show on Twitter at less than or equal. If you have feedback, suggestions for guests, or would like to be a guest, please go to less than or equal.com and fill out the contact form. Uh, if you have a few minutes, it would be wonderful if you'd leave a review on iTunes. And we also have a Patreon now, which you can find at patreon.com slash Aline. That's A-L-E-E-N. Thanks for listening. Until next time on an internet near you, I'm Aline Sims for Less Than or Equal.